When y'all meet Pastor Samuel, he's gone and you get me. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, well. So I brought you my electric bill. No, this is my water bill. I need y'all to help me pay for it. It went up $2 because Chrissy got a little pool for the kids. Um, no, it's really not my bill, though. It's my notes for the message. <clears throat> I couldn't find a paper at home. And uh, these have the back empty, so I wrote it on my water bill and uh, something else. Just a list of unsaved people. So we'll pray over them. Um, look at somebody this morning and tell them that they look good. Come on, just help some, some brother up. Help, help some sister. Tell them that you're glad that they're here today. Now, the main message that I want you all to tell them right now is you're not here by coincidence. Come on, say it to somebody. You're not here by coincidence. It's not an accident that you're here today. Now, the people that are not here today, they're not here by choice. But you guys are here for a purpose, for such a time like this. So I'm going to start by throwing you a name. The name is Robin, okay? R-O-B-B-E-N. And this is actually the name of an island. This island is in South Africa. You will never be hearing about this island if it didn't serve the purpose that it served for centuries. It used to be a leper's colony. If you don't know what it means, it used to, leprosy did not have a cure. So the best thing that they figured to do was to separate people who were sick by leprosy and put them at a place on their own. It also served as a mental um, hospital for crazy people. And the latest thing that it served as was a high-security prison in South Africa. And so in this prison, the only reason why it was made famous is because the most famous political prisoner was incarcerated in this prison for 18 years. You might heard the name before. His name is Nelson Mandela. He was incarcerated there for 18 years. Prior to that, he was in a different prison for a total of 27 years in jail. So, Nelson Mandela, he, um, his dad wasn't a believer, but his mom was. She was a devout Christian. Therefore, she influenced his faith big time. So he followed Christ. He followed his mother's belief, and he read his Bible, and he, he talked to God. He prayed. So at the age of, um, I think, 40 years old, he saw there was this thing going on in his country. It was the apartheid, which was a way to say the legalization of being racist. So they started making laws. 1.4% of the population of South Africa were white people. The rest were blacks. So these 1.4% of people decided that black people were no people and they had no rights. So they started making laws such as there are buses that only white people can ride on. And there's buses for black people. There is bathrooms that only... Black people should use. And so, Mr. Mandela, he was actually born from royalty. What does that mean? 
that back in the day, his family were royalty, kings and queens. So he was a descendant from royalty. And he was a lawyer. He was a very educated person. Yet, as I was looking through his autobiography, there was many times that he peed on himself going to work because he could not find a bathroom for Negroes. And he suffered all kinds of uh, degradation in pointing out. And he said, if I'm royalty, if I'm an educated person and I'm going through all this, I cannot imagine what regular people are going through. So he decided that he was going to fight for the rights of the people. So he got involved in politics and he was the voice for the black people. Well, the government at the time decided that he was committing treason. So he was put in jail for 27 years. Now, when I, I think about prison, I have visited some of the prisons in the United States, and they're quite nice. Compared to the prisons that I have gone, I have gone to prisons in Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, okay, Peru. I've seen them prisons. And it's not because I was a criminal. I was preaching to criminals. Um, I was believed to be a criminal in 2004, but that all got cleared up. It wasn't me. It was proven by my digital fingerprints. So I want to show you a picture where Mr. Mandela uh, was spent 18 years of his life. And um, Rachel's going to get that going in a second. So he, um, this is the cell that he lived in. So in his cell, he had that little bench. And then he had a bucket. In that bucket, he can spit on, he can use the bathroom in it, and then on the right, he had a little mat. He slept on that the first four years until he was upgraded to a higher level of a prisoner, so then they gave him a mattress. So, 18 years. Plus another nine, 27 years in prison. So as a Christian, and this happened often in my life, more often than I wish, I always wonder and ask God, is this part of your plan? Because this doesn't feel right. So I was reading his autobiography, and he, at some point in his life, he asked God, what's the plan? (laughs) What's this all about? Because it's, it's not right. And so, have you ever wondered that? You get stuck in a season of your life or a situation. For you guys, it might not be a prison. But it might be a divorce. Lack of finances. It could be just your state of uh, emotional. Your emotional state. Maybe a death in your family. And you always go back to the question, God, is this part of the plan? So I didn't have a title for my message till Rachel asked me this morning. So if you take notes, the name of the message is, what's the plan? What's the plan? So let's find out. So then, um, in the 50s, so that's when he started fighting for the rights. 
1962, he got arrested and put in prison for 27 years. So, let's read what Romans 8.28 says. So, this is Paul writing. You guys are very familiar with the Apostle Paul. He wrote pretty much most of the New Testament. And he said, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So he said, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So the question that I have for you today is, Can God work something good or the out of the rough, bad situations that you've been in. According to the Bible, he can. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Paul. Paul, he was in trouble all the time. Paul was an awesome man of God. He was scholar. He was called Saul from Tarsus. So Tarsus was three miles from the coast. Tarsus was a big city. A lot of commerce going on because the ships will come to the coast and people will buy and sell stuff. And there were huge colleges. Now, back in the day when Paul was born, the universal language was Greek. Okay? So I'm sorry if I'm giving you like history lessons today. I know that's not what you came to church for. But there's a point for it. So pay attention. So then Paul, he learned Greek out of the street because there was people from all over speaking different languages. He was very educated. In uh, Tarso, there was colleges that competed with cities such as Alexandria. Remember, Alexander the Great, that city was named after him. It was a huge powerhouse, and he has all these colleges. So people were very educated. So Paul, he, he read, he studied, and, and he did all kinds of things. And he grew up as a Roman citizen, yet he was Jew. So at the age of 10 years old, his parents sent him to Jerusalem to study the Jewish culture. So he knew about the Torah, the law. He knew about the Old Testament. He read it. He can quote it by memory. But he was a Roman citizen. He had access to all kinds of Roman benefits. If he wanted to talk to Caesar, he could. He could get an audience with him because he was a Roman. And so, um, on that verse, uh, yeah, 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 no, we're not going to go there. So, yet, when he's writing this verse, he's in prison. So, how did he get there? We'll find out. But even though he's in prison, he's writing, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Now, he's not just sitting at his house, chilling, drinking a sip of coffee, or watching the news. He's going through it. Amen? And so, but he said, all things work, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So then, there's people, and I find myself in that category, that you look back at your life, and you only count from the moment you met Christ until now. It's like your other life didn't exist. It's like back in that life, God didn't know you. But that's not the truth. The Bible tells us otherwise. When we were in our mama's womb, God had a plan for you. And sometimes we're so ashamed of our past 
that we don't even mention it. Do you see people now that you don't know where they come from? You have no idea. I mean, they kind of have that criminal look, but you're not sure because they're good now. Because they never talk about their past. Because they think, oh, the past is over and it's done with, and that's great. But let me tell you, in that past, God was doing something in your life. And you have to be able to recognize that. God was still God when you didn't know him. See, you were lost, but God wasn't. He was there for you. And sometimes we got to look back, though, and understand that God was there always. And so I look at the life of Paul, and Paul was a kid that has the availability to learn other languages growing up because it was such a big city where he was born. And then he learns about Jewish culture. He had dual citizenship, so he can go from border to border because the whole Roman Empire had control over the air at that point. And so he can move around freely. Sounds like a perfect fit for a missionary. And on top of that, he didn't have to ask people for offerings because he knew how to sell tents. That was his dad's trade. So while he was preaching the gospel, while he was getting stunned, while he was getting incarcerated, he was selling tents because he had to eat. So he'd be like, okay, before you throw that rock, let me sell you this tent. It's really good. It works in the desert. Not really funny, but I, 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 that's how my mind works. So let's go to Daniel 5.21. So you're like, so you're telling me that God is working even in the midst of bad things. Yeah, I'm not telling you just that. I'm telling you that that's God's plan. He's working through it for you, in you, with you. You are part of the plan. The good, the bad, the ugly, and everything else. Now, am I telling you that God is bringing bad over your life? No. I'm just telling you that it's still part of God's plan. And he's going to work it for the good of those who love him. So, Daniel 5.21. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkey and ate grass like the ox. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and sets whoever them, sends them over anyone we wish, he wish. So basically, this is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. And he's eating grass like an animal. And so God is saying here that he's sovereign. He puts governors, presidents, and he takes them too. So what am I telling you? That George Washington, that wasn't God's plan for him to be the president. That Barack Obama, that was God's plan for him to be the president. That Donald Trump, that was God's plan for him to be the president. And you're like, wait, um, well, I like one more than the other. So come on, brother, why are you preaching now? I'm preaching what the word says. He's sovereign over all kingdoms. God is in control over everything. And you might not believe it at this point. And you're like, wait, wait. So that really crappy husband that I had before that was God's plan, he wasn't God's plan. But I don't get it though. <laughs> it really sucked. Was God still in control back then? Think about it. All right, Jeremiah 29, 11. 
You should know this if you're a Christian. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He's got a plan. You understand that? He's got a plan. And sometimes we don't like it. And we don't like going through it. We don't like going through the situations. We don't know how it's going to work out. But he's got a plan. And you got to believe it. So, maybe your situation, it's, it's, you know, your body doesn't work. It's sick. you got a sickness that it can't be healed. Maybe um, your marriage is, is broken. I don't know. So, Acts 22.3 tells us a little bit of Saul back in the day. So, Saul... He was a Jew, so he had to go and learn the Torah, learn the law of the Jews, the Old Testament, what God gave Moses. And he wasn't just a, a regular student. This is him speaking, y'all. I like Paul because he's so blunt. He tells you how it is. He's like, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I study under Gamaliel and was throughoutly trained in the law of our ancestors. Moses, the law of Moses. I was just as jealous for God as any of you are today. He's talking to the Jews. It's like, hey, I'm as good as you are. In fact, there is a verse that says that I am way superior to any of the other students. So he knew his stuff, all right? So, so his parents sent him to the city of Jerusalem to learn about this stuff. He spoke Greek. And then he spoke Hebrew really well. Galatians 1.14, Rachel. So, he says, oh, Galatians 1.14. Do you have that one? I didn't give it to you. Find it. Galatians 1.14. So, <laughs> um, what was God's plan for, for Paul? So Paul persecuted the Christians, right? After he learned all his laws, he got into politics. He killed Christians. He was there when they stunned, um, what's his name? Stephen. Thank you. He was there. He watched it happen. And he was not afraid to kill people. How can God use somebody like that? Because he's God. He can use anybody. He can use you. You're like, wait, but I'm old. Is there anybody here older than 72? It's okay. I'm going to tell you the story about a 72-year-old. That's why I asked for that number. So, with an encounter with God, this dude was changed. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many. That's the other verse that I was talking to you about. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. So he was like, I was better than all the students, or some of them anyways. So Paul, he was a beast in everything he did. So when I was reading this, I was like, wait a minute, why didn't God just took Paul as one of the disciples and just got rid of Judah. I mean, Judah was terrible. 
Just take Paul, use Paul. I mean, he was smart, right? But that wasn't God's plan. See, God needed Paul to go and evangelize the whole known world. He had a plan for him. So he's like, stick with it. Go study Hebrew, and then I'll use that for my glory. So now, let's go to Acts 22.6. So Paul was a tough man. He killed people. And, and he was persecuting the Christian. He was using all his skills, his knowledge, to destroy Christianity. And so about noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Soul, soul. Why do you persecute me? The back cut some of the letters, so I have to look back. Why do you persecute me? So Saul was a tough man. He was full of knowledge. And then he was full of all these plans that he had. But then Jesus happened. He had an encounter with God. And his life got turned around. So before, he was stern, he had the law, he had the knowledge, he had the language. But then after he met Christ, he had that rate of mercy and grace that he was missing. So when he's preaching out of the jail cells, he's talking about grace, he's talking about mercy. Where did he get that from? When he encountered Jesus. But all this was led by something that happened in his past. So when we were in the... When we're in the oven, you know, I remember when I was little, my mom got her first oven. My dad bought it for her for her birthday. That is on August 4th. And so it was really small. It was about a year tall and I don't know. It was an oven. Never seen one. It was, you needed a tank of gas to be light up. It was cool. I looked at it. It had a glass. You can see what was inside. And it was just such a cool thing for our family. I think I was about nine years old. And so she started putting eggs on, on some uh, white powder. I didn't know what it was at the moment. I thought she was going to make tortillas, but that's not what she was making. So she put eggs on the flour. I know that now. Then she put salt and she put this. And I was like, that's so gross. Why is she putting eggs on the flour? You fried eggs, and then you eat them with bacon or sausage or something. You don't put them on flour. That's just gross. And I was like, Mom, what are you doing? And then she's like, just be patient. She started mixing it, and then she put it on the oven. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And then she pulls out this beautiful pound cake. And I was like, the oven did that? She's like, no, I did it. (laughs) And I was like, ooh, that looks good. Can I taste it? And uh, I'm really funny about stuff that have eggs in them. I really like fried eggs, though. But I don't like them mixed with something else. I don't know why. I think it's from this day. Uh, um, but anyways, so I was like, Mom, so how did you know that that cake, that's what it was going to come out of the oven? She said, I saw the cake before the cake saw me. So I want to turn that around to you. Sometimes we don't see the end product because we don't know the plan. But Jesus knows the plan. See, he saw it before you did. 
So he's just like, walk along, walk along. Sometimes run along, run along, keep going. But we don't get it. We're like, but but how how are you going to do it? I don't like this. Come on. My wife is terrible. My husband, can I just get rid of him? Walk along, walk along, keep moving. But but God, but, but I went to prison and I have this record. Walk along, keep moving. I got a plan. Will you trust me? So, let's go back to Mr. Mandela. So, his cell was about six foot by seven foot. That's the width and the length of it. Six by seven. If you know math, that's 48 square foot. Right? (laughs) 42. If you know math, you know that it's 42, no 48. That's six times eight. Um... I read two measurements in two different sources. That's why I got. But anyways, so 42 square feet. That's not a lot of room. He spent a long time. He will get up at 5 in the morning, and then they'll take them to cut rocks, limestone, with a metal bar all day long. Then they'll come in to eat lunch. All their meals was a corn-based diet. So they'll eat smashed corn for breakfast, and then some just bowl corn for lunch, and then smashed corn for dinner for 18 years. Talk about having a diet there. Next time you complain about your food that your mama made you, think about Mr. Mandela. Just saying. And so he had this corn base, and, and, and then he got to his cell, and all he'll do was just read up. But in the morning, before he went to work, he'll do 100 push-ups and 200 sit-ups. So husbands, just saying, don't wait till you're in prison to exercise. (laughs) Pun intended. Uh, So he was fitted, and then the guards were paid to antagonize him. All the Negro prisoners, the, the guards were paid extra. For them to be persecuted. He was put in solitary prison many times. But he writes on his autobiography that he started gaining favor with the guards. So this is what he'll do. He'll be like, what's your faith? And they'll be like, well, I don't believe there is a God. And he will tell him, I know there is a God. So if I can prove that there is a God, then you're going to have to give me a book. And they were like, okay, let's talk about it. So they will talk, and he, will, he brought the guards to Christ. They'll have to change the guards every so often because they were getting converted to Christianity. So this man was bright, and he has the favor of God. So he said, I started gaining favor with the guards. So they brought him a mattress. They'll bring him extra books. They, they'll, sometimes they find clips of the newspaper. They put him in, in uh, solitary confinement because it was illegal to know what was going on in the outside world. But he gained all this favor, and he was preaching the gospel and telling these people about Christ. He, books started being uh, mailed to him. So there was a huge hype when he first got incarcerated, but eventually people forgot about him. And they're like, oh, yeah, Nelson Mandela, he's in jail. He was, he's a political prisoner. But then time went by, and, and, and the hype started back up. Oh, yeah, Mr. Mandela, Mr. Mandela. So the time that he got out of jail, the press 
was crazy about it. It was an event 27 years later. They thought they were going to find this crippled old man just angry at the world, trying to get back at the people who did wrong to him. But that wasn't the case. A journalist for the BBC wrote, that's the British something-something news. Yeah, that. And so they, they wrote that when Mandela came out of jail, he looked like he was coming out of harbor because he had so much grace when he spoke. And he was so gentle in his words. He sounded so smart. And they were like, we don't understand how this could be possible. I mean, this man unjustly just spent 27 years of his life in this short confinement, cutting rocks every day. How is this possible? Four years after he came out of prison, he became the president of South Africa. And he abolished apartheid, which is the legal racism that was going on in South Africa. Paul, a Roman citizen, a persecutor of Christians, a murderer of Christians, he left his Roman roots and became the advocate for Christianity. He wrote pretty much the whole New Testament. And he was an amazing man of God. God used him for his glory in such tremendous way. So my question to you this morning is, do you think God has a plan? Do you think that God has a plan for you and your situation right now? Come on now. Think with me. Do you think that God has a plan for you right now? Maybe you've been out of money for too long. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe your family is just in such a terrible shape that you're just depressed about it. Maybe you don't like the job that you're in. Maybe you think that your boss is the worst boss in the world. Maybe you think that your life is just senseless and you're just living through the motions. I'm asking you, by looking at these two stories... If you don't believe that God has a plan, I'm done preaching to you. There is nothing else I can tell you that will help you. But you got to make a choice to believe that God has a plan for you. And he's working in your behalf. He's working in you. And he's going to use your past, your present to make you a great future. But, but you don't know where I came from. But he does. He was there. He was still God when you didn't acknowledge him. But, but you, you don't know. I have trust issues. Start trusting God. Practice with him. But, but you don't know. I, I don't got a job. Well, God is our provider. Trust in his plan. When he was in prison, he was allowed to have one visit every six months. And it just became longer and longer. His son died on a car accident while he was in prison. His wife stayed in and out of jail, and his daughter, for political reasons too. 
But he came out, he met with Christian leaders, and he said the church is a vital part of the future of our nation and the message of reconciliation. I mean, just reading this story, it, I don't know if you grasp the concept of, of just sacrifice and just living a hard life. 27 years is a long time for anybody. I don't care if you're 100 or if you're 30. That's a long time. How long has been your hardship? And can you say today, God still have a plan? And I'm going to trust it. Oh, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, this happened, y'all, before you were even born. This plan was put in place before you messed up, before you went through whatever you're going through or are going through. The plan is still in place. He prepared it beforehand. And all we have to do is just follow him and trust him. Why is that so hard? Why, if a man that spent almost half of his life at that point in prison, eating corn, he can come out of there and say, that was, I'm trusting the plan. I'm just going to submit to it. Why, if Paul, which was a like, killer of Christians, he comes out, he meets Jesus, and he says, I'm going to do what you say. I'm a, you know, I used to kill Christians, now I'm going to kill demons. I'm going to let myself be used by you. What's your excuse to not follow God's plan? Maybe you're hurting physically and emotionally. Maybe you don't have enough to follow God's plan. But sometimes you don't have to have anything but the willingness to trust Him and believe in Him. Maybe you think, I'm too old. Well, how about 72 years old? That's how old he was when he got out of jail. Four years later, 76, he became the president of South Africa. He died in 2013. He changed history for African people and affected the rest of the world. Do you need to go to prison for 27 years to trust God's plan? What's it going to take? What's it going to take? Do all your family have to die? What's it going to take? Remember Joseph? He was accused unjustly. He went to prison. And he could have said, oh my gosh, why me? This is going for too long. But no. He trusted the plan. He trusted the man with the plan. I'm asking you to stand up today. I think as the church of God, we got some trusting to do. Amen. Because sometimes we can say with our mouth that we trust him until he comes personal and we have to deal with our situation. And then we have our doubts. And it's okay to have doubts because sometimes things get too tough. And we just wonder, God, is this part of your plan? And my answer to you, according to the Bible, is yes. So you got to live through it. You got to learn. You got to grow. You got to keep going.
Because it doesn't end here. For as long as you're alive, the plan is on. And even after life, the plan is just to worship God for eternity in heaven. Amen? That sounds like a wonderful plan to me, doesn't it? But in the moment, you might feel uncomfortable. You might feel in pain. You might feel defeated. You might feel that there is not a future. But you got to trust God because He's got a plan. Amen? So what's the plan? We follow Jesus and we trust Him. Father God, we thank you so much because you're a good God. And you have plans to bless us. You got plans to give us a good future. You got plans to just bless our families and that the, everything that our hands touch. You got promises. You got provision for us. So God, in the name of Jesus, no matter what our past is today, no matter how terrible things have been in the past, we are going to trust you. We're going to follow you, God. And we want to listen to the words that you say that you do have a plan for our lives. Father, forgive us sometimes for living such self-pity that we can all see outside of ourselves and see what you're doing in our lives, God. That you help us see the truth, see the light, and get up and go and follow what you want to do with us, God.